Okay, everybody, we have a great show for a Tuesday for you. We do. We were all waiting to see what Jack Dorsey was going to have to say about Twitter sale to Elon Musk. And he had some after dark thoughts and we break them down. We love Jack after dark. And then we're going to talk about the range of uh, emotions uh, from Twitter employees. Yeah. And, you know, some users as well. Then finally, we're going to change the topic, talk mm. about an NFT project where <laughs> what could go wrong? Doctor influencers on TikTok are selling access to medical advice. We live in the nightmare. Okay. And <laughs> finally, uh, there was a financial time story about Hopkins fundraising. This is a company that went from $250 million valuation up to $8 billion in under two years. The founder sold almost $200 million in shares in secondary. And is this company as bad as the Financial Times is making it out to be? They did a layoff. We actually do the math. And the answer might, in fact, surprise you about Hoppin. You are going to want to stay tuned. And stay tuned all week because there are some big earnings calls coming up this week. We got mm. Google and Microsoft later today as we're taping this. Meta and Spotify on Wednesday. Apple and Amazon on Thursday. It's going to be a great big. week. It's going to be a great show. So stick with us. Stick with us for the whole week. Stick with us. Don't Stick go anywhere. with us. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. Don't touch that dial. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Squarespace. Turn your idea into a new website. Go to squarespace.com slash twist for a free trial. When you're ready to launch, use offer code twist to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Embroker. Embroker's startup insurance program helps startups secure the most important types of insurance at a lower cost and with less hassle. Save up to 20% off of traditional insurance today at Embroker.com slash twist. While you're there, get an extra 10% off using offer code twist. And Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tuesday. It's Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday after a big Monday. My God, Molly, what are we going to talk about today? What could if be in the only, news today on a Tuesday? If only there were something to talk about. <laughs> if only. Okay, here's what happened. The moment everyone was waiting for happened yesterday. Yes. What is Jack going to say? All so, right, what is Jack going to say? The deal is done. Is Was it a conspiracy? Did Jack help like make this happen? And then he tweeted his full thoughts on the matter at Jack After Dark, TM Jason Calacanis. Yes, I love Jack After Dark. his full thoughts last night in a thread. Okay, let me hear him. That started with a link to Radiohead's Everything is in its right place. In case you thought this was not going to go in the totally most unbearably pretentious direction, <laughs> you were mistaken. Okay. Uh, everything in its right place is how this started. I like Jack. it. I like it. He, he started with a theme. He's uh -huh. setting a mood. It's a mood. Oh, it's a mood. Radiohead is a mood. And yes. then he goes on to tweet. I love Twitter. Twitter mm. is the closest thing we have to a global consciousness. Agre agree. I agree with that statement. I if, agree with that statement. Oh, okay. I mean, All I guess. Right. Okay. I mean, everybody important in the world. Million people. Yes, and it's a global kind. I mean, this is like Jack After Dark. I like it. I'm here for it. The idea and service. I mean, I did have five milligram edible before we started the show, <laughs> but you know, I'm here <laughs> there for you it. Go. He's feeling it. He's feeling it. 
The idea and service is all that matters to me, and I will do whatever it takes to protect both. Twitter as a company mm-hmm. has always been my sole issue and my biggest regret. Okay, it honest. has been owned by Wall Street and the ad model. Taking it back from Wall Street is the correct first step. So, okay, confirming effectively everything that you and we have said about the yeah. problems with trying to operate Twitter as a public company. I love Jack. I love Jack. I, when Jack was starting that company, I was at the Allen and Company conference. And I said, if you ever need a board member, I think this is going to be the biggest thing ever. We were just like going for a walk, uh, you know, between like conferences or whatever. And uh, this is the Allen Company, like smaller conference, mm-hmm. um, which they're pretty discreet about, which was like for like up and comers, not the big one. And mm-hmm. uh, I was like, you know, if you ever need a, this is when they were just hatching the idea, so to speak. Um, but I do think he's right that wall street um for this company has been very difficult and the reason is the the public comp of facebook and you know and trying to keep up with that which is like yahoo trying to keep up with google and it makes you do unnatural things when you have shareholders who made a bet on both companies and they're like Mm -hmm. this one is not growing like this one so how does this one grow like that one and that just sent them into like, like Yahoo, a tailspin, like Yahoo had a lot of promise, they should have leaned into content and services, they could have been a collection of brands, there was like a couple of different ways to go. Yeah. Going all in on video since they lost search would have been a great move. That's what I advocated for. Just go all in on video. Well, see, that's where like, y- yes, go all in on something like something. I'm not 100% willing to let Jack off the hook for the lack of innovation for a long time. Like, yeah, you maybe you need to show growth and you need to do this. But there was there is the a lot was, of space to innovate when you're a CEO and he had two jobs. He that was that was a challenge. And also there was the musical chairs. He had Ev, Jack, Ev, Dick Costolo, yeah. Jack, Ev, whatever. Um, or Jack and, and know, any Frog. one of them could have innovated. Well, and it's hard when you've got when you have public investors saying this is the North Star metric. DAOs, MAOs, daily active users, monthly active users ad revenue, whatever. And and they were just not able to do what Facebook was doing. And so they every there was never enough time to execute. And this is why sometimes a company that's kind of lost like they should be private, because mm-hmm. it might take two years to clean it up. You might have to lay off half the company, you may have to shut down four or five things that are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not great, right? Because you can't boil the ocean and you need to have one thing that is growing in order to be a public company. But Look he maybe could have he maybe could have laid off half of the people at any time. He maybe could have said we're doing a massive restructuring. Like I I just think the board would have to approve it. That's the you, problem. You're never you, Jason, are never gonna have a power struggle at your company because you're in charge of your company. Yes. If you have a power struggle at your company, mm-hmm. you need to look in the mirror a little bit. Well, they did set this thing up with out founder authority, because mm-hmm. there were two founders, uh, biz asked to be a founder. And like, they gave him that. But really, it was Jack and Ev. I mean, biz, I, maybe I'll give biz credit for that. Um, you know, he was there for the beginning. Yeah, I think it's fair to give him credit. Um, but really, Jack created it, Ev created the company, biz, you know, operated the company with them. So those are three co founders, you know, they, they didn't have enough ownership each, they lost control of the company, mm-hmm. the board got really big. And then you had this Facebook thing. So and it, nobody was a Frank Slootman. Nobody was a Mark Zuckerberg, even a Sheryl. There was no you know, general. Like, 
there was no general. And I just yeah. think it, it is very easy now to sort of lionize everything that Jack has done. But the fact is, like, this happened oh, yeah. under his watch. This decay started there. Yeah. And also, remember, first-time CEO. Jack was a first-time CEO. Yeah. First public company. Like, you know, listen, when this thing was created, we were all kids, you know, uh, 30 yeah. years old or something. I'm not saying uh, I could have done it. Right. But I am so, saying nobody would take my company away from me and I wouldn't sit there and have another job and let it goof off and then sit here and be like, this, this was is the problem never with, my fault. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's his fault. He's, he is taking ownership there, isn't he? Like he says, like, this is my big regret. So that, I mean, well, he says regrets, this is my big regret, but not like I ever tried this to change it. Well, we don't know. Um, we don't know. You know we we don't, don't know what happened on the board. So yes. Twitter's a company has always been my sole issue. Like, I think he's referring to like the company of it, not the product. Like it should never have and been my biggest a regret. Well, I mean, Which, he does believe that, I mean, that, that the internet and the ad model is pro is also challenging. I mean, we've it's all super distorting. It's super distorting for the New York Times. Yep. For exactly. CNN, for Fox. Yeah. And for Twitter and for Facebook. Yep. When you are advertising based um, and you're trying to grow, if you're advertising based and you're not trying to grow or you don't care about growth all that much, it's not that big of a deal. It's yeah. when you're a public company and you need to grow 30% year over year in your advertising base, unnatural things can occur. Yes. And that's, I think, the challenge. And here. that anyway, specific business model is super distorting. Like, I will 100% give him that. I'm just going to push back on the idea yeah. that he, like, was doing everything perfectly. And Oh, you know. I don't think, I don't think, uh, Twitter was far from perfect. I think yeah. everybody who ran it um, could have done better. You yeah. know, all, all three potential CEOs probably have a lot of regrets. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's sort of saying that. But anyway, let's continue. What so else he does goes he say? On. Yes, he yeah. goes on to say, in principle, I don't believe anyone should own or run Twitter. It wants to be a public good at a protocol level, not a company. Okay. That is explosive. Um, and a real thought bomb. You know, what he's saying there is like, this should be like HTTP, the web. It should be like SMTP. It should mm -hmm. be like, RSS. right it should be like yes. urls but like it's the yeah. or like email. when i say smtp that that's math that's email when i say right, 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 yeah. that's the web and you know basically rss is syndication like blogs uh and podcasts so yep. he's right that it, and in the early days of twitter they did support rss feeds you could subscribe to jack's rss feed yeah um, and they i believe deprecated that and so if it was an open platform and you owned your profile i own twitter.com slash jason you own slash molly wood and they couldn't turn you off and you could publish to your own location and then the twitter client would pull in that data so mm -hmm. if alex jones wants to publish his blog and his craziness it wouldn't be twitter that would be publishing he would be publishing his feed somewhere and then all the feeds would be pulled together like an email client does, whether it's right. superhuman, Gmail, Microsoft I mean, Outlook, or literally a browser. Just, I mean, that's just it's describing, it's describing the web. It's describing right. blogs that were aggregated via RSS yep. or by yep. search engines. It's, weirdly, it's describing Yahoo. Like you sort of, but well, at some point, that middle yeah. layer always becomes a company, which is how it gets distorted, I guess. Anyway, he says, okay, solving for the problem of it being a mm. company, however, mm -hmm. Elon is the singular solution. I yes. trust. I trust okay. his mission to extend the light of consciousness. Hmm. So, um, you know, Elon has always said, like, part of like being multiplanetary is like, you know, the light of consciousness. And oh, okay, this is know, an Elon phrase. 
That is an Elon phrase, the light of consciousness, Elon phrase. Um, And I think also a Sam Harris phrase. And, you know, we're all friends and buddies. And, you know, I've I've heard Elon talk for many, many times about like, we've had long, deep conversations, uh, my friend circle about what it what would end humanity, if it did end, you know, in pandemic, nuclear war, uh, or, you know, mine was always like some random object hitting the earth, because that happened before. Yeah. (laughs) is likely to happen again i mean the sun also having like some solar flare so i've had these conversations with many of my friends over time larry and 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 sergey i've had this conversation with it's always been like a 15 20 years ago conversation that you know a a lot of people like to have which was hey if humanity were to end what would we do and how would we prevent that and being on another planet is the ultimate way to back up and in fact people don't know this but the spacex project elon's first idea Mm -hmm. was uh and the reason he was looking at russian rocket ships was to back up the biosphere. And I don't know if anybody knows this or if it's in any of the biographies. I've never read any of the unauthorized biographies. But he was thinking about taking every biological thing on the planet, plants, seeds, etc., and then putting them into a space station that would circle the Earth or the moon or putting them on the moon, some concept uh, like that. Yeah. And that's when he and Adeo were in Russia looking at missiles and seeing if they could rent one to put this thing up in space and then that's when elon was like wait a second why don't i just make the missile rockets myself right um and wow. that's, but it was an arc project originally it was an yeah i don't know what mm. arc means but uh, like noah's ark you know oh, oh, Noah, Noah's ark. Yeah. yes yeah. it's exactly what it was yeah. and there's actually a movie called silent running which uh, somebody will pull up the trailer with and we'll, we'll play a little bit with the sound off so we don't have a, a strike answers but that one had like the original r2d2 in it bruce stern and it's like, I think it was 73, it came out and Star Wars came out in 77. So George Lucas kind of cribbed a little bit from this. And they both cribbed it from a French comic book, mm. um, which had like a lot of these Star Wars themes in it, um, which you can look up online, the inspirations for Star Wars came from Silent Running, and some other 2001 Space Odyssey. So anyway, that's the that's light of consciousness concept. Got um, it. Here's Silent I- Running. I uh, recommend uh, now I I mean I have to see this my son's in a big like film school phase right now too so we're going to watch this, this together yeah uh, this is amazing but there is the biosphere uh silent running yeah and uh there's like <gasps> does it remind you of Star Wars a bit yes yeah. and my so goodness. there it is these are um and there's Bruce Dern who is supposed to Laura's maintain father? this biosphere um and uh at some point they may show the robot that he, wow. uh, anyway somebody can pull up the little robot he interacts with uh, like a picture so of it you'll find it cool. but it's a really cool movie um it's got a lot of really interesting science fiction ideas that's um, amazing yeah octavia butler uh she's got these books called the parable of the sower it's a trilogy oh there it the is science Look, fiction see that little robot that's the little robot yeah, that's, that's totally like R2, it's totally r2d2 yeah oh it's my god robot. he interacts he plays cards with he talks to it's literally r2d2 before r2d2 Okay, we have some exciting news for you right now. We're going to give one twist listener $1,000 in Squarespace credits. How generous. You ever go to a company's website and it looks absolutely gorgeous? Well, we want to show off the best web designers for our listeners. And it can be anything, an amazing landing page, a feature flow, a design aesthetic, or anything that would wow potential users. Well, we want to show off the best web design from our listeners. Here's how you can apply. It's really simple. Head to show us your space.com. That's going to redirect you to a tweet from me, the at Jason account, you'll reply to my tweet with a short video image link gif or anything that shows off your space. 
then my team and I will feature the best submissions on This Week in Startups, and we'll pick a winner and give them a $1,000 Squarespace gift card. Now, your product doesn't need to be built on Squarespace, but let's just say that's going to help because it's such a gorgeous platform. Obviously, we're big fans of Squarespace over here. They have been partners with the show for the last decade. And of course, you can get 10% off at squarespace.com slash twist. Squarespace.com slash twist. She uh, talks about how we have to become a planet, a multi-planetary species. Otherwise, clearly. we will be, and this quote has like rung with me forever, smooth-skinned dinosaurs. Because, hmm. yep. It's a possibility. So anyway, so um, moving on. I think, um, yeah. yeah, Jack is saying, like, Elon's a great steward of the brand. I think mm -hmm. not, I think it being private will allow them to clean up a lot of these issues. And, you know, uh, I think that's a good segue into maybe the employee's yeah. reaction. And he says, I will say one last thing I thought was oh, very sure. interesting is that he, um, Jack went on to say that Elon and Parag share the same goal of creating oh, a maximally trusted and broadly inclusive platform. And he's, he writes, thank you both for getting the company out of an impossible situation. Okay. So there's your conspiracy theory, I guess. We all totally agreed, though, that it was an impossible situation also. Yeah. Huh. Well, if you have a board of directors that owns like... I don't know what the total they owned, but it was like 0.001%. They were like this professional elite class of people stewarding this with no ownership. We talked about totally. that. It's like a weird thing. And then you have all these people who own whatever, one to 10% who don't have board seats. It's like, this really isn't representing the shareholder class. It's representing what? Like a bunch of intellectual folks who get a lot of power you know, joy, whatever, whatever non financial motivations they get out of being on the board, a cynical person would say power. And you know, a, a generous person might say, you know, doing what's in the public interest for this platform, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and could be some combination of those things. Humans are complex. You, I, I might want to be on the board of Twitter for the status of it. Sure. We're status seeking yeah. animals, it might also be intellectually curious. And you might have, you know, a specific agenda like you believe in free speech, or you believe in, you know, getting rid of online harassment or having great conversations, whatever it is, or, yeah. or making political change in the world, you could have multiple uh, things, but it's just not going to result in a great company or product, it's going to result in a company going sideways. So the good news is, during this lost decade, Twitter didn't die. Mm -hmm. Twitter could have died during this whole thing. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, that was mean, a again, distinct possibility. Had it not been, I think, for the Trump presidency and Trump himself, Twitter probably would have. I mean, it was in a pretty was a, more the Trump bump state. was real. Trump bump was very for real. Twitter without a doubt. It be that's and, when and, I, and for the New York argue. Times and uh, yeah, MSNBC, totally. MSNBC and for Fox, know, absolutely. Like, I mean, that was a. I mean, if you look at CNN's, I was trying to find a historical chart of CNN's ratings. When you see their ratings during like impeachment hearings, and I mean, that's when Rachel Maddow, yep. Anderson and fox just but really the the left side because we were also like oh my god this presidency is the craziest thing ever yep um like is this guy going to be impeached is he you know controlled by the russians i mean it was just and he was creating so much chaos mm -hmm. you, you couldn't help but look because we've never had a president act insane i mean <laughs> I, there's no other way to say it i mean right? he was acting insane and you're like is this the real world because this feels like some side of dystopian sci-fi comedy that the president would act just like idiocracy or something like, it really was yeah and, and it was forget. the biggest story i mean the lest you think that the media would like things to be boring <laughs> no 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 you are dead wrong there are plenty of people at all of those outfits out who are just praying 
that Trump's account is reinstated on Twitter. Just praying for it. Yes. Well, like, I'm not trying been, to be painfully yeah. cynical on a Tuesday, but like, well, I mean, yes, he was entertaining on the platform. Um, yep. You can't radicalize an opposition to nothing. You got to have something on the other side or else it's just not. a fun I've game. heard many people on the left say it would be really great if Trump got reinstated right now because it would it would enhance turnout for this midterm election. Could be. And they're saying Democrats aren't going to come out because that's always how it is. When you win, you get complacent. When you lose, you get charged up. And that the right, and I, listen, I'm no expert on this, but that does seem to trend correct. If Trump was here acting crazy, you'd be like, oh my God, I don't want that guy back. I better vote yeah. if you're on that, if you're, you know, anti-Trump. So that yeah. does make sense. It is directionally correct. But let's go to the employees. Let's do that. Let's go to the employees because yeah. I'll give the caveat here that there are 8,000 employees and thousands of contractors, I believe. So I think the actual real number of people working at on Twitter is over 10,000. Um, so if you were to sample them, mm -hmm. you could, depending on how you, you know, dip your you know bucket into that sample, it could go either way, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of different feelings here. But what was the best representation that we found here on the pod for how employees are feeling? So... With that obvious disclaimer that... Right, with that obvious disclaimer can be that shaped, we don't know. Just like Glassdoor can be shaped, Wikipedia can be shaped. The like, press could shape, you know, how this looks based on who they talk to. Exactly. It Initially, it did seem like it was one giant freak out over at Twitter and on Twitter, right. by the way. I mean, the number of people just declaring that they had to leave now and like giving tearful goodbyes and mourning their time on the platform was just a little bit. Are you talking about users or employees? I'm talking about users now. And then I think some oh, of yes. them were employees, too. So uh, New York Times, one New York Times reporter, Tom and Joseph Smith, uh, his thread went viral because he said it is absolutely insane at Twitter right now in the virtual valves of private Slack rooms and employee group texts. Uh, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I really don't want to work for a company that's owned by Elon Musk. One other source said, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. Oh, my God. Ugh, I hate him. Why does he even want this? And then... Platformer Casey Newton wrote in a more sort of balanced huh. approach that, yes, as a group, Twitter employees did seem to be negative about the acquisition. But when he started talking to employees one on one, he would find that responses were, quote, more tempered. He wrote, some hmm. employees I've spoken with are open to the idea that a private Twitter run by Musk stands a better chance of improving the service than would a public company beholden to its shareholders. They like the fact that he wants to eliminate harmful bots and bring more clarity to how recommendation algorithms work. Mm. Almost as though, in fact, these Twitter employees are acting just like, you know, everybody else, like people. Yeah. Like, uh, so my read on this would be if you are publicly, um, now again, this was a New York Times person, you know, quoting Slack stuff, you're going to have a range of of people who are going to be inspired by the change here and you're also going to have change is scary and yeah. this, this is, is a, a change one. it's a big change because they have stock options and so if you just to have empathy here for the person who's been working there for three years they vested 75 percent of their shares they have a strike price of 47 dollars okay do i get my shares do i get 54 dollars do I keep my shares and then we're going to go public again in four years and I have to wait another five years? So it's like, yeah. Are these RSUs? They, th my understanding is people were calling Charles Schwab, I read in one story, and just trying to get some clarity. So when it's your kids, you know, 
uh, college tuition or inheritance or your mortgage payments. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be scary for some people. Also, mm-hmm. it's their livelihood. Also, they're vested. Also, Elon and, did, as our producers note, make kind of a joke about firing everybody. Uh, yes, and I think <laughs> the the very difficult thing they were talking about with whoever would take over Twitter during a new a numerous um, uh, numerous times when they were uh, looking for new leadership. The question was, who is going to be willing to make cuts? Mm-hmm. Because the company could run with probably 2000 people like 75% less people. And almost universally, when you make deep cuts like this, the organization functions better. Because who do you cut? Well, the truth is, when these cuts happen, and people won't say this publicly, because they want to be gracious about it, you cut the weakest people in the organization, Mm -hmm. you obviously wouldn't cut the high performers. So you go to the managers, and you're like, you've got a team of 10, you get to keep six. Which four are you cutting? And so like a basketball team, you'd be like, well, Steph Curry stays, Draymond stays, Clay stays. We know those three are safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> now who's in between? But I guarantee you got- your bench is not Wiggins and Gary Payton, you know, third. like it's not. You're going to have to make hard decisions. Your bench is probably not that good and or you're going to have to make hard decisions. They could be developing players. They could just not be as great as them and mature as the players who are at right. the top, right? Maybe so they're like, fine. Oh, yeah, we have no idea. We have no idea. And so, we don't know that they failed to tackle these problems. We only know the incentives probably told them not to. Like, maybe there are plenty of engineers there who are totally capable of turning off the spam. The There was probably some hand-wringing uh, and lack of leadership as to what the goal is. That, yeah. that will be gone in a private company. Yeah. Because the private company, when it's owned by one person, you have founder authority. And just like Steve Jobs said, you know what? We're going with the phone first, then we're doing the tablet. And his team had said, well, we should, the tablet's what, you know, works. And look how beautiful it is. He's like, it's not responsive enough. Let's iterate a couple of times on the batteries and the touchscreen on a smaller screen. And then we'll get to the tablet later. Mm -hmm. Like, well, Bill Gates has got a tablet out now. We should compete. You know, it's like, nope. We're going to go after the phone. You have to make some bold decisions, right? Absolutely. Uh, And this is, uh, Cybertruck's a bold decision. Cybertruck also has, I, I, I don't know what the res- reservations are now for Cybertruck, but it was bonkers how many Cybertruck reservations there were. And the Cybertruck does not look like a pickup truck. They didn't go the Rivian route and they're like, let's make something that looks like a F-150. That's founder authority. You cannot make a bold choice like that in a committee with mm-hmm. a board that owns 0.001% collectively. That's a decision that the God Queen or God King can make. Yep. They can say, you know what? we're going to go for it. we're going to do something crazy here again i don't know what the reservations are for rivian versus cybertruck right now i think that like kind of shows what founder authority can do because mm-hmm. that odd looking truck is inspired people probably most of which are buying their first truck to jump on board and they didn't go after just the truck owners they went after hey maybe you own you know i don't know an suv and this you want this rad cybertruck that looks like nothing else on the road yeah well, and I don't know that you get a Ford F-150 Lightning mm. without Cybertruck. Like the existence itself spurs change. So once you make this big, bold bet, you cause a whole cascade of change as a result of it. I'm going to quickly explain one crucial type of insurance that all startups need. It's D&O insurance. You've heard of this before. You might not know what it is. This is directors and officers insurance, and it helps if 
somebody does something dumb and you get sued. I don't know how to tell you more plainly. Or maybe you didn't do something dumb and some dumb person decides to sue you for a dumb reason. I have seen this. I've seen all flavors of it. You need to have DNO. It's just part of growing up as a startup. And if you don't have business insurance, well, you're going to have failed one of the first steps of being a founder. The best place to look for it is in broker. And broker's technology is going to save you time. It's going to save you money. Prices are up to 20% lower. And you get better coverage than the incumbents. You can go from sign up to quote and purchase in just 10 minutes. When you work with in broker, instead of all those slow incumbents, you're not dealing with those giant lumbering large companies. Sign up takes days, not weeks. And the process is transparent. There is no opaque pricing. So to instantly buy custom-built insurance for startups, go to inbroker.com slash twist. While you're there, you're going to get an extra 10% off by using the code twist. Easy to remember this week in startups, T-W-I-S-T. Go to inbroker, E-M-B-R-O-K-E-R.com slash twist and use that offer code T-W-I-S-T. Some interesting breaking news related to Twitter employees. Twitter has locked down any changes to the platform. Now, this isn't unusual. Of course, you would freeze like product, probably like rollouts in advance of a new owner. However, they will not allow any product updates Mm. unless they're business critical. Uh, And evidently, according to these anonymous sources talking to Bloomberg, Mm. Twitter imposed a temporary ban to keep employees who may be miffed about the deal from, quote, going rogue. Oh, that's um, fascinating. I could see somebody doing that. If you did that as an employee, you would be responsible legally, financially, and career-wise. That I'm just, yeah. for the record, like, oh, probably not smart. a great idea. Like, Chelsea Manning, you know, did something like with, uh, as a conscientious objector in terms of right. leaking stuff and paid a massive price, her, f- her freedom. I think mm-hmm. they... She goes by her now, not they. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sorry. I don't have the pronouns. Oh, here. I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's she's a she, um, mm-hmm. not a they. But somebody can correct me if apologize if, I, if, I, if I'm not up to date on it. But she uh, was a he at the time. She uh, made a really serious decision to leak that information and went to jail yeah. for close to a decade. And like I, if you just please, I mean, if you're thinking about doing this, think about the ramifications it. of going to jail. Don't do it. Could you imagine somebody at Twitter just, I mean, people have done this kind of stuff. I know, totally. You know, like, and it it could wind up ruining your life. Yeah. Like, literally, your freedom could be at stake. I mean, it's, it's almost for their own protection that they. (laughs) I mean, the the (laughs) obvious thing to do would be to turn off Elon's account or something, you know, like, but this kind of childishness is cybercrime. And Mm -hmm. I'll tell you something, the, the three letter agencies are they got a real chip on their shoulder about cyber stuff. And they are they've made the point over and over again, rest in peace, Aaron Schwartz being the the ultimate example of it, you know, they they will take it to the mat to a level that is, you know, some people might consider deranged when cybercrime occurs. Um, You know, and and people who burn a building down make it five years in jail and people who, you know, do cybercrime, they'll look at it and say, well, the building would cost $5 million, but the harm here was $50 million. So it should be 10 times as much. Mm-hmm. So people feel like digital crime is it, the the thinking is like a something you could roll back easily and digital crime is not that big of a deal. It turns out the feds actually they, they take it more seriously, it seems mm-hmm. on all accounts. So please don't do something like that for your own. That would be a really dumb thing to do. That would be yeah. a really dumb thing to do. Yeah. yeah. But I it's, mean, it's, just, I, it's yeah. fascinating to me. I mean, I feel like uh, you never know what to do, think about this kind of reporting. Like on the one hand, it would be 100% 
I would think standard operating procedure it's, to lock standard. the platform. Sure, of course. When a new standard. owner is coming in, that doesn't even sound that like weird. But you do. But then it's a great clickbaiting story. Let's be. It's honest. a great right. It's a great clickbaiting quote. Like nobody's yeah. going to go rogue. Come on. Yes, I mean they're almost incentivizing people to go rogue by being like, "Hey, here's what you could do." Like, like give like, them the idea exactly. Yeah, like, it's, it's a little inception here. Like, I, and we're here to unwrap, unwind that for you. Yeah, young people, don't ever do something stupid like this. If you want to do something stupid. Like, get your friends to bring a mariachi band and, like, storm out of the building playing, like, uh, having a marching band. I quit and then march out with the marching band. Like, those people are doing on TikTok. So, it's, like, stunt resignations. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, yeah. I don't know if do I that. would hire somebody who did a stunt resignation. I might do it just for the LOLs. Depends. 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 Yeah. If you're in marketing, I might actually do a stunt. I might actually appreciate if you're in the like marketing the department doing a gorilla stunt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it I would just, depend on the circumstance. If your boss was a true jerk. I know. And you went out with a marching band? Respect. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe you respect. Know, you got a brand now. You got a brand. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, yeah. Before we move on to other fun yeah. tech stories, I mean, we'll all get our last thoughts in. But I did think to myself, watching the Sturm and Drong and everybody freaking out and all the, you know, the rending and the faces. And the, I'm going to Canada. Exactly. That it was like, okay. We're all on this platform and it sucks. It makes us feel bad every day. Yes. It is not functional. It does not okay. offer Continue. the features that we wanted to fe- to offer. Continue. It has only gotten worse in terms of spreading and peddling disinformation and sadness and division. Amen. Continue. Don't you want to maybe see if the guy can make it better? How before you, you lose your ever loving and stomp Praise off Jesus. like a child? I'm putting my hands up. Praise Jesus. Like, right. here is a rational assessment of the situation. The, sy- the, the system has been broken for a decade. It it's hasn't broken. gotten better. We all hate certain aspects of it. Okay, the guy's coming in. He's executed well. He's got a vision. He's been pretty clear and upfront about what it is. Give him a shot. If you Give don't like a it, chance. literally, we could all just go over to Instagram. We, right. could all, we could all go over to back to blogging. We could go to Facebook. We can go to LinkedIn. There's a million places we can go. Is it? the same no it's nuanced different but that if if elon were to do and the new management or the existing management whatever the the reconstructed team however it gets reconstructed i have no insight there um were to do something crazy with the platform mm-hmm. well that would just be an opportunity for somebody to create an alternative exactly just like tiktok created an alternative to instagram and youtube created an alternative to you know blogging and other things that came before it and and yep. Other it's video services that came before it. So a hundred percent optional to be there. Mm. And it's not, it would be hard to make it worse. Mm. So like maybe just chill out and see what happens. And I just want to shout out Rachel. I don't want to hear any stunt resignations on uh okay boomer <laughs> on Friday. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not incepting. Uh-huh. Like I want Rachel to go do a stunt. <laughs> She's like, oh, I have a plan. Da, da, da. Oh, I got my stunt resignation queued. <laughs> Ordering a band off magic. <laughs> Fiverr.com for get your band. Use the promo code <laughs> twist. Promo code oh twist. Oh my God. Listen, when you're a founder, it's fun to trade your craziest stories with other founders. Recently, Balloon CEO Amanda Greenberg, one of my portfolio companies, told me how Vanta's SOC 2 solution helped her 
save an important deal in the final hours. Yes, Balloon sells SaaS products and collaborative software. And when they needed 10 documents in place within 48 hours to close a deal, well, Vanta saved the day by supplying customizable templates for Amanda to fill out and helping them through the process all the way to close. So if you don't have your sock too tight, you can't close major customers like this. Vanta's compliance software makes it easier to get and renew your sock too. They continually test against technical and non-technical sock two requirements. They partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file sock two reports directly within Vanta. And on average, Vanta customers are sock two compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And guess what? Vanta is going to give you $1,000 off right now for your SOC 2 because you listen to This Week in Startups. Get that $1,000 off right now. Vanta.com slash twist. V-A-N-T-A dot com slash twist. Once again, Vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off. All right. Listen, Amazing. I love this story. I think this is a Rachel story. Oh, this is a Molly story. This is a Molly story. I like got obsessed with this in the morning when I was looking for any other news. Yes. And so I'm anyway, oh, and what shout I'll say out to is, the team for making this into an incredible story. Look at all this write up. Okay, so but good. let me just say for the for the employees over at Twitter, great opportunity. Yeah. I have met countless people over the decades who work for Elon. They uniformly report they did their best work and were the most inspired working at SpaceX, Tesla, Neuralink, Boring. I've met countless people who've worked with him. I know him. It's an inspiring person. I've watched him work. He's an inspiring leader. He gets done. He's focused. He sets incredible goals. It's all about the work. Now, if you're on vacation and you're, it's kind of like a dope gig where you're getting paid six figures to uh, off. Yeah, you probably should polish off your resume and go to Hodel. Hodel. What was the, uh, what did they call it in Silicon Valley? What did they call Google? Oh, they had a name for it. Hooli. Hooli. Go hodl at Hooli. <laughs> Go hodl your Bitcoin and your Doge at Hooli. And show title. <laughs> and show title. Hodl at Hooli. That's a better place. I mean. Google appreciates people not doing work. Yeah. Like they you love that. They imagine. love taking talent off the market and putting them on the roof and letting them rest invest. You're not going to rest invest at an Elon Musk on Twitter. You're going to do your best work. If you're up for that, then do your best work. If you're not, highly recommend polishing off your resume and finding another cushy gig somewhere where you're not affected. And you know what? I personally, that's how you are. Personally, if I was running Twitter and we had that big, beautiful office, I would do year zero. This is if I was CEO. If magically somebody said, Jake, you want to be CEO of Twitter? If somebody said that to me, like yeah. if I knew somebody, at Twitter and they said, you know what? Just like randomly. I know you were thinking about semi-retirement, but yes. here's a and thought. they said, Jay Cow, you know what? You understand Twitter. Why don't you run it? Oh God. If somebody said that, I would come in and I'd say, guess what? It's year zero. We are going to have this office building filled. And this is going to be the locus of power. And this is going to be, you know, a seven day a week operation. We are going to really crush it and make a big effort in the first year. If you want to be part of that, you know, I'm going to need you to show up. You know, some people might be remote, of course, there might be some all stars. But let's all go to this amazing, brilliant office again. And we're going to have an in office culture until we get this thing really dialed in it doesn't have to be seven days a week, you come in two days a week, three days a week, but we're going to start this process of really getting focused and setting some really tight goals. And here are the four goals 
that we're going to crush this year to show the world, you know, that we're serious about making change here. Boom. Not saying I would take the CEO job. Not saying. Not saying. Not saying, not saying anything. Not, <laughs> not saying anything. I'm not going to be the not CEO a yes, of Twitter. Not a no. I mean, president. Man, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I'm not saying I would do it. I'm not you know. I'm. I, I'm saying, not saying I wouldn't be there qualified. Could be a, there could be I mean, like I a know. floor for launch. Like they're not going to need all the employees, so there could be an extra. Plenty. Floor we have a little uh, area available. for launch. I can put that in there. Put a little inside area. I'm not saying I can't multitask. Mm-hmm. Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're running two companies now. Kinda, yeah, Kinda. no problem. Easy peasy. All right, let's go to the next story. We're gonna wrap this up here. What's what else is in the news, Molly? Well, this news may surprise you. Let's uh, let's pull up that headline again because what happened is that TikTok famous doctors are getting into NFTs, and it's a mess. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> there are doctors <laughs> on TikTok. Yeah, look who there, they are. Want to? Do an NFT grift. Yeah. Okay. YouTube.com slash uh, this week. So if I buy their NFT, I can go get plastic video. surgery with them. Is that where this is going? So it, the, it's Please called. Please tell me I didn't guess it. I don't know what this story meta, is. Like, this headline makes no sense to me. This headline is absolutely baffling, nor does this business idea, basically. Okay. Um, but they did create these NFTs of TikTok doctors. What they were supposed to do in the plainest English that our producers could come up with. The project was called Meta Doc. M-E-T-A doc, you know, and these NFTs were supposed to give owners access to the doctors involved in the project, like a Web3 concierge care. Okay, yeah, concierge doctor. I got one of those. Yeah, sure. Holders would receive heart tokens for every day that they own the NFT. And then the tokens could be used for three tiers of doctor experiences, ranging from DMs to Mm. ask me anything to teledoc appointments or video chats. And right. then, of course, if you have one, you also can get discounts on apparel, personal care items, medical tests, okay. supplements, and more. Okay, um, I'm there. MetaDocs founder, Dr. Sina Durabchi, hopes it will evolve into a full-fledged virtual clinic in the so-called metaverse, where patients can put on a haptic suit and be examined remotely by a physician in virtual reality. Like, I have to be honest, I don't hate that, right? So, so sure. it's a grift. Disrupt doctors. <laughs> this is like... Less a grift and more a illegal. Oh, kind of, well, okay. From the, so from the treatment perspective, because yes, there are rules yeah. around telemedicine, like a lot of rules around doctors yes. and how they can operate and where they can operate. They have to be licensed in each individual state in which they're going to and operate. Sure. This is not a licensed telemedicine service. So doctors actually no. cannot legally use it to treat no. patients. Okay. If you have ever done an online appointment, actually, doctors always call, like the teledocs call to ask where you're calling in before the doctor mm-hmm. can come on. Ah, doctors right? are then being removed from the project because they either didn't agree to participate, didn't feel comfortable with telling people they huh. could treat them via NFT when they can't, or because they have not completed their residency. In one case, a doctor had to be removed from the project after he left his hospital position, so it was actually no longer employed as a doctor. All right. So, so there are regulations in place for a reason. And as we've discussed with Theranos uh, over and over again, there are places where you can, you know, move fast and break things. Please, medicine, don't do it there. You, you just have a higher duty and authority there. So I do like the idea of the NFTs for the fish frying club that we had on the pod, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's 
sure uh, uh -huh. ving yeah. uh, or soho house or we're investors in one for music festivals mm -hmm. uh and so i do think the nft as a membership club after party by the way is the name of the one we invested in i'm not trying to promote them or anything but it, i thought it was an interesting project run by people i know yeah. uh, and they're credible we'll have them on the pod at some point then we paid ten thousand for our two nfts and we invested in the company the two ten thousand dollar nfts gives us four tickets every time they do one of these events so we have eight yeah. uh, tickets i was going to give them to the producers here but nobody wants to go to vegas for it or they couldn't because i'm working them too hard but yeah. theoretically we could it's kind of like buying coachella tickets so imagine you wanted to start a music festival instead of trying to raise money you just make a club and you're like hey thousand people spend ten thousand dollars on these we have ten million dollars now we can produce music festival for the next 10 years and spend a million dollars on each and then yep. we could also sell additional tickets or let you resell or your thousand vip passes that get you backstage or to the backstage area whatever there could be a backstage and another backstage you know it's just like a really cool idea but doing this for doctors yeah, there's too many moving parts you would have right. to really be thoughtful about this if you had 10 doctors who said we're selling these to california residents and it includes an onboarding and you get you know 10 hours of telemedicine a year for the next 10 years you, you really want to define this and think it through mm -hmm. so just be thoughtful i mean that's all if, it's just about being thoughtful about these things music festival yeah. is a different level of you know or like, fried fish is different than this nfts it's fly fly fishing club yeah fried not, fish not fish and chips fish. <laughs> i just i hear it's all my dyslexia which is awesome i, I love fried fried fish i love yeah I'm, i'd be down for a fish and chips club yeah i mean the idea of, of nfts as access hmm. plus badge hmm. great fine hmm. you're a season ticket holder you get some perks and you have a you have an asset a digital asset that serves as your badge of membership and honor and hmm. art cool hmm. love it don't even hate the idea of trying to apply that model to concierge care mm. necessarily yeah. but if people could die yeah and there are a bunch of laws around mm. how to do this yeah i mean it's just like you know what this is not it's not ready it's not ready <laughs> for is not ready well then also are the nfts appreciating in value and then based on what so you know when you have a music festival it's pretty obvious what you would base the valuation of these tickets who's performing how right. much do you know what's the market for them does the mark is there market demand so if you did and this turned into you know uh, coachella over time you could see people being like a backstage pass coachella was a thousand dollars were you know a, a lifetime backstage pass is worth ten thousand now it could be worth a hundred thousand down the road right yeah uh, as it gets bigger and, and bigger names play at it um here like would it double in value because the doctor became more sought after i, I don't know it just seems weird Whereas like a popular club like Soho House or Fly Fish, Fly Fishing Club, um, the Fried Fly Fishing Club, <coughs> Fly Guy Fishing, whatever the it's called is would be. <laughs> I'm starting a competitor called Fly Guy Fishing. <laughs> uh, I actually want to start one for poker. I've always wanted to start a private club for playing totally. games like poker and backgammon. Uh, Fly Fish Club. I apologize. I'm, I'm making fun. But um, I, I do think that was like sincerely a brilliant idea. So I would like to start a poker club. And I would have my own poker NFT grift. So oh. if there's somebody out there who's passionate about poker and isn't too degenerate and can actually like work, I would hire you to do this for me. Basically, I sell, I could sell a thousand of these. I would sell them for $5,000, maybe yeah, $10,000 each. And then it would include, that would be 10 million bucks. 
uh, and we would um, create a location, which would be a private club where members could play cards in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and then maybe a second one somewhere else. And then uh, we would have pop up poker games, you know, I- at uh, events around the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, don't, that's a good name, Nick. Don't say it on air. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, keep workshop in that name. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Mm. That's good. Mm. I would like, I think that would work. Hey, I have people notice in here. I think NFTs as membership and then NFTs as pure sort of artistic expression. Mm -hmm. A friend literally sold me on the NFT game on Easter Sunday. We were all we were having brunch and she was talking about and this is not a person who's like super techie. You know, she's sort of Mm -hmm. like, I don't really understand all this, but she's an artist Mm -hmm. and really made the case and is doing a super cool NFT project that I literally cannot wait to see and even buy. Like I was like, I love this. I love what you're creating. It's beautiful. And it has this really meaningful aspect to it. But she was saying that what's so great about it for artists and for all these communities Mm -hmm. is that it is like, it's like when you could just create a blog and have all the expression you wanted on the internet. She's like, it's like the internet is fun again, because Mm -hmm. there's things you can do as an artist with NFTs, with metadata and instant creation where you can create layers. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, people put in certain attributes, it'll create a million versions of that. And they're all beautiful and they're super customized to you. She's like, it just as a, as a playground mm. is delightful. And I was like, well, hell yeah. now I like it. I, you know, it's the, uh, it's the, the thing that's beautiful about crypto is this idea that you're empowering people to participate in a more meaningful way in the creation of organizations. That's a very cool idea. Yeah. Um, now there's layers of grift on top of it. So and many. Unprofessionalism and so stupidity. Many. You know, but the ownership nature of it is what we do with cap tables in technology all the time. So the more people can do that, the more I'm all in on it. I love the idea of more participation. Now, your ownership is really a membership. So keep that in mind. You don't own equity in the thing because we have securities law. And we talked to Brian Armstrong about that on the last all in that like Mm -hmm. there needs to be a framework for projects. And I did the safe harbor one. I think my idea is the best um because i've really thought about and talked to a lot of people which is there should be a tiered safe harbor so any project under 10 million dollars and under ten thousand dollars maximum investment should be safe harbored what that means is you can do whatever project you want you just have to have one person's name it has to be incorporated you need to have some basic insurance or something whatever just like a basic amount but you don't have to worry about accreditation or whatever, because the max damage you could do is 10,000 and somebody is in charge of it. And it's incorporated in Delaware or somewhere in the United States, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's between 10 and 100 million, you need to have a board of directors. And you need to have KYC. Uh, and know your, customer. The, know your customer, thank you. And you can do anybody with $10,000 max investment is fine. Anybody above 10,000 has to be accredited. So now, okay, yeah, so somebody who's a truck driver or a teacher could get swindled, but the max they could get swindled out of is $10,000. It's not going to destroy their life forever. It's, it's a, it's a hole you could dig yourself out of. Don't be playing. Right. And if if it it is, you shouldn't be playing because like people do take $10,000 who are truck drivers or teachers and go to Vegas and blow it. Like, yeah, this, this happens every day in Vegas. So you're basically saying like, we'll put a cap on it. And then anybody who's running those things is like, great. So if that person does choose to sue me for whatever reason, the max damages is 10. 
the average investment at the syndicate.com and this is of accredited investors about $7,000. Mm-hmm. What I love about this in terms of my exposure as the person running the syndicate and you as well, and listen, we have insurance and these are accredited investors, they know what they're doing. There has never been a lawsuit over syndicates, like there's been zero. I know of one instance where somebody um, threatened, and it was on one of the platforms and it like there was no case to be had. So it was just went away. But what's the damage? If mm-hmm. the average is $7,000, if somebody really felt like they were damaged in some way, what is the legal you to spend $500,000 suing somebody for $7,000? It's just like mm-hmm. you would just suck it up and like take the loss just like somebody who played in a rigged poker game and lost $7,000 might just suck it up and take the loss. So that's really what has to happen with crypto. I also think with private company investing, just cap the amount that people can lose. And then mm-hmm. they still get to participate. But there's a cap. That's all. It's very simple. And yeah. there's no caps in Vegas, by the way. You can go there and mortgage your whole house and yep. show up and blow it playing roulette in an hour. One spin. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, yes. No, no NFTs for healthcare. Not yet. Not ready for No that. NFTs for healthcare. All right. One of the things that happened during the pandemic was virtual events. And one of the companies, perhaps the leading one, was a UK-based uh, platform called Hopin, H-O-P-I-N. I know about this. I uh, was able, uh, we, we considered using it for the events over at inside.com when we started doing virtual events. And here at uh, launch, we have remote demo day. I looked at all these platforms. They were very expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're doing a free event, probably not a great thing for you to use because they would charge you 50000 a year or, you know, per person. Uh, and so we went with Zoom plus, you know, Slack, free, basically close to free solution. That is flat rate for the year. Yep. Anyway. Hopin was very interesting uh, product and service, but uh, they got an incredible value valuation. Just look at this valuation and incredible amounts of uh, incredible literal dollars too. Like yes. they're, so, their Series A, yes. it, they Walk got up this. to seven point eight billion dollars. But look at the ramp up here. This the shows VCs insane. have lost their mind. Lost their mind, and apparently, again thought the pandemic would never end. This will be the status quo forever. So they put in $40 million in June of 2020. That's a series okay, A. June 2020. a $244 million valuation. Quarter billion dollars. By December, the series B was $230 million at a $1.5 billion valuation. Six months later, Six the valuation months later. went 5X. No, then, 6X. 6X. Then you get to March. Okay, March. And you got a Series C. Of the next year. So of the next year. January, but just February, still a few March. Months later, four, like four, four months later. Four months later. Okay, mm-hmm. how much did it go up? $414 million raised at a $5.8 billion wait valuation. A second. Wait, valuation wait. goes up $4 billion in four months. A billion dollars a month. They're doing great. It went up a billion dollars a month. <laughs> okay. That's <laughs> at insane. At this point, by the way, A16 is in. They're like FOMO galore. So like where were what we? we're saying is the company was a quarter billion dollar company in June. And then less than a year later, nine months later, it was worth six billion almost. Yeah. So that would be four to 22 or 23 X in nine months. Okay, that defies gravity. There's no way that actually makes any sense. But okay, let's nope. continue. Because it, it didn't keeps end. going. July of 2021, they raised the series D which is $460 million at an $8 billion valuation led oh by Altimeter Lord. and Arena Holdings. So March, oh. yeah. 
April, May, June, July, four more months, they go wow. up another $2.2 billion. All right. So Glo growth is slowing at this point. I mean, the valuation is only going up half a billion a month. We need to know billion. the revenue of this company to really make a judgment call here. But yeah. to be worth $8 billion, $8 billion, I would expect, let's see. You guess because I know the answer. Oh, you do know the answer. Okay. It's in our, it's in our notes, but. Okay. Don't peek. You know don't the actual peek. revenue. I'm not peeking. So, okay. I, I will tell you what reality would be. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. In an absurdly hot market, a hundred times top line revenue uh, would be uh, 8 million would be 800 million. Mm -hmm. So 80 million would be 8 billion. That would be an absurd peak, peak market. So 80 million would equal that. Now, if it was 50x, you'd have to have 40 million in, no, no, uh, 160 million. Yeah, let me just do the quick back of the envelope math mm -hmm. here. 160, uh, one, two, three, one, two, three. Uh, yeah, eight, 8 billion, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, divided by that. Yeah, that's 50 times. Yeah, so one point, 160 million would be 50 times top line. That's what I would put it at. So you think the revenue should be at 160 million a year? A year to get there. Well, in, uh, according to a Financial Times source, Hopin generated over $100 million in ARR in 2021, but okay. $30 million or so came from their acquisition of StreamYard, which is a okay. streaming service sure. like Restream. So okay. likely, so really what it comes down to is likely closer to $70 million ARR. Okay. So it was trading at 100 times, which was crazy peak valuation. Yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, and then the question is, are any of those customers who make up that 70 million in revenue? So this obviously had pretty fast revenue. Are any of those customers sticking around post pandemic? And I think some will, uh, because online events, I think are not going to go away. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing here, the, so anyway, it, this is absurd peak market, but it was probably growing at such a fast clip. The crazy thing here, mm -hmm. according to the FT research, Hopin CEO, uh, Johnny Bufferat, cashed out 195 million in secondary securing the bag in a two year old company. Yeah, this is a fast revenue growth for a company of the size just so we're clear. So uh, as crazy as this one seems, right, it's probably two x as crazy as it should be. But it's not. It's that not crazy. unheard of. I mean, they were making money and the revenue was growing really quickly. Yes. However, now you are in a scenario where the CEO sold almost $200 million of his own shares. And as of two days ago on the Financial Times, there were sub 500 events listed ah. on the platform representing a 97% mm. decrease Okay, in the number of events lifted, listed on Hopin. The company in February laid off about 12% of its staff. Sounds wise. And uh, they say they have plenty of runway. Yeah, I, think, I would think so. Uh, and I they would can, imagine. Now, the question is, can they ever get back up to this valuation? Because now the company would be worth 30 times revenue. So in order to be worth 8 billion, 20 times, you probably got to get to three, four, 500 million in revenue to build into that valuation again. If they mm -hmm. had 500 million in revenue, would they be worth 8 billion as a public company? Maybe, 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 maybe. they would need to have more. So I think that's uh, going to be the question. And then also how profitable is the company? Does this have an 80% margin or 50% margin? I don't know the total number of employees. If I did, I might be able to give you uh, back into their cost structure. So how many employees got laid off? 138 would be 12%. Mm -hmm. So if you times that by eight, approximately, you would get the number of employees. So if we were to do back of the envelope math, 138 
times eight would be 1,100 employees. 1,100 employees uh, times an average employee cost of 100 and I put out 100,000. Who knows what level of employee they have? Um, they are spending $110 million a year. So they might even be getting close to break even. Mm -hmm. um, so laying off 10% of the staff, 12% of the staff uh, would actually get them probably, you know, who knows what they're spending on servers and marketing as well. So right. they might be actually within spitting distance of being break even. It could be. And, and this then, is why uh, math is important. Because when I saw Altimeter on there, I'm good friends with Brad Gerstner. He tends to be very smart and considered. Mm -hmm. And so that would be my signal to maybe when he did that $8 billion valuations to think, hmm, is this insanity like Clubhouse? Because Clubhouse was $4 billion with no revenue. Okay, well, here's a SaaS company. Right. And this is why SaaS What's companies revenue? are a safer bet because there's actual revenue and it's reoccurring. So even mm -hmm. if they lost, like for a SaaS company to lose 30% of its revenue year over year would be unheard of. It would have to really be some crazy situation like the pandemic ending or like a competitor giving the product away for free. But even then, people would have to take the time to cancel a 40K. I think these, they, they're probably the average customer. I don't know. I'm guessing here because I know that we quoted out all of these Aramid, Hopin. We looked at all of them. Mm -hmm. And they were way too expensive. They were quoting us like 50 grand, 100 grand a year to have like, you know, up to 3000 people on our events or whatever. And there was just too much usage charges that, to make it worth it. So I think there's a model here for somebody to do a flat rate and just undercut all these folks. Mm -hmm. Because you could build this with open source chat and open this is the easiest software in the world to make. You just take zoom, I, I think zoom will own this business eventually, God bless you. Uh, if you did sneeze. Zoom. And I don't know why Zoom, I did, thank you. I don't know why Zoom doesn't already. I think Zoom is kind of dancing around this. They have the webinars, which is what we pay for. And I think the webinar product, we can have a couple of thousand people and it costs us like $1,000 a year or something. Um, it's really affordable. You don't have um, multiple stages and a calendar around it with uh, an area for networking and an area for um, trade shows. And so I really would love to see somebody make a more affordable version of this. I actually consider it just rolling our own, which yeah. I do see some people are doing and, you know, building wrappers around it. But uh, yeah, somebody tell me what the Zoom says. I can't see it. When you pull up these things, Zoom events Zoom. and webinar, 690 a year for up to 500 attendees. And then, and then with an events have. platform, 890 a year. Yeah. That's so I think this will be cheap. Zoom's business. Um, so if Zoom could make it, so when you show up for the event, Molly, you have, here are the tracks. And then here's a chat room for each talk. Yep. You know, like, yeah. it's, it, and then here's a trade show area. That's really what love, you need is the trade show area. Love, 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 love hybrid events, right? Keep yes. doing hybrid events. I think there's no... We have one, meetourfund.com, uh, which we're doing a third one of where funds pitch founders. And we had like 10,000 people, I don't know, maybe 8,000 people signed up for it. And then a lot of people watch the videos after, but you get hundreds of people watching it. I really would like to have more networking space and for the sponsors and stuff like that. So I was looking mm -hmm. for a solution. But yes, yeah. hybrid is the way to go. And I want to do it. Meet our fund four will be live and virtual. Love it. I love plan. that. And honestly, as an environmental play, like not everybody needs to fly everywhere. So if you give hybrid events, and then you can mm -hmm. create like an offset program for the people who don't come. I don't know. I just yeah, think there's a lot of prices. potential there. Two prices. It makes a lot of sense. And I, I it does seem like in this mm -hmm. case, the valuation was bonkers. It seems to have now, at least according to the secondary sales, 
Um, according to the Financial Times in February, the Hopin shares fell 41% on a secondary marketplace. And okay. from their most recent valuation, that would be a $3.3 billion reduction, which is doesn't seem unreasonable. I think that's exactly what we just did back of the envelope. Right, exactly. It's like, cut it in you half. came up with the same it's thing. Fine. Cut it in half. Perfect. Here's the good news. The founder knows what he's doing, apparently. He made the cuts. He didn't yep. need to. And he's going to have to just put his head down for two years and build into the valuation. He probably can. I think the issue he's going to have. Now that he's sitting on 200 milli. <laughs> well, personally, the, the reason I don't like the $200 million um, payout for him is, is he going to come to work for the next two years? You have to wonder. Yeah. Or is he going to hand it off that. to somebody? I would say a good rule of thumb is, hey, maybe the founders can cash out up to uh, 25% of the current revenue of the company. Company's at 100 million, you could Great. cash out 25. Yeah. And then also the other employees who've been there for over two years. Now, this is a two-year-old company, so there's nothing to do it. But, you know, listen, these the people who are doing these deals, they went in. They're very sophisticated investors. There's nobody more sophisticated than Altimeter. Uh, mm-hmm. Shout out Brad Gerstner. So if Brad was involved in that secondary sale, whatever, maybe they did that to win the deal. Maybe it was a hot competitive deal. And I don't like those payoffs when they do it. I'll ask Brad next time I see him what the story is, and I'll report back. Um, but, you know, it was a hot moment in time. It was a hot deal, apparently. And so people would um, sometimes basically the most cynical way to look at it is bribe the founder mm-hmm. to take their deal. And the more charitable way to look at it is they got to buy more shares in a company they like, and the founder got to benefit from his or her creation. Uh, and the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like tying financings to secondaries. I think that should be split as a best hygiene practice. Because imagine you're an investor in the company at the $250 million round. Now the company has an offer. One offers for $8 billion, one's for $9. The one with $8 billion comes with $200 for the founder. The one with $9 doesn't. Or there's an offer that has more controls, you know, better governance. Well, now the founder is going to pick, because of the god king and god queen nature of how companies are run now, they're going to pick what's in their best interest or all shareholders best interest. And so where does that leave the employees? Should the employees be able to cash out too? Yeah, you know, and so th- mm. this, these things are fraught with governance issues and incentive issues. And I think people have to be thoughtful about it, but it's a free market. Mm-hmm. So deal with it. I have to deal with it all the time. It's a f- free market out there. And I deal with it all the time. And I have conversations with founders. Usually my conversation with founders, if I'm being honest is, are you taking any chips off the table? And I've had many founders say, no, I want to buy more. And I'm like, do you own your home? And they're like, no, I rent. And I'm like, are you independently wealthy with a trust fund? No, my parents weren't rich. My dad was, you know, a lawyer. My mom was a nurse. Uh, no, we, I'm not. Uh, and I'm like, okay, perhaps mm-hmm. uh, you, sh- you own $100 million in shares in this company. You own 30% of it. It's worth $300 million. What do we think about you selling 5 million, 4 million, you pay your taxes and you put a down payment on a house mm-hmm. in the, or you buy a house if you're in Austin or you put a down payment on a house if you're in the Bay Area? Austin is not that cheap, first of all, but second, Well, yes. you could buy a million dollars. Trust me, I've been looking every well, day. Well, this is what you said in the, in the book, right? There's like, you let them sell, there's an amount that's sort of comfort money. Yes. And then there's Take an the amount that's money. FU money. Yeah, yeah. When you get to, that, this, is, this, is, this is beyond FU money. This is, well, yeah, this you, is like I'm gonna everything. Go, yeah, this is, this is I'm gonna buy Twitter money. Just kidding. <laughs> well, it's I was about to say this is I'm gonna go buy a restaurant, a hotel and an airplane money. Yeah. And I've seen this happen. Like I've seen founders go buy it, spend like literally three months picking their plane, 
two months picking their house in Kauai, three months going into some stupid restaurant venture, and then all of a sudden their phone's ringing because their pilots want to raise, the, the plane went on fire in the hangar, the chef quit, there's a lawsuit uh, with their land because the neighbors, they're building too much, and all of a sudden founder distraction. Yeah. Trust me, I just bought my first second home and like... It's a little much work. I mean, literally, yeah, you know, it's everything that you dialed in at your primary home, your internet, your TVs, your insurance, it, it, water, you know, whatever, it just all happens a second time, you know, and you, you're a homeowner, you understand what you have to go through with your current home nightmare. God, it's like double the nightmare. Now <laughs> I know people who've done this who've got triple the nightmare. All right, listen, this has been a great episode. Congratulations to the hop and founder investors. I think you have a real business. Don't worry about the reduction in value of your company. Just put your head down and build the world's greatest product. And for competitors, uh, you could build a competing product to this. And <laughs> the roadmap is, you know, cheaper make flat, rate. flat rate, because mm -hmm. I need a flat rate solution. So selfishly, if somebody could build me a flat rate solution for $1,000 a year, that let me run my conferences on it, I would do it. Uh, or if somebody wants to give me a five year deal for a flat rate on one of these air meter hop in uh, for Let's a really go. cheap price, I'll do a barter with you. So for some ads on the show. <laughs> I'm so glad we did this story, by the way, because this is a, I'm just so glad we did this story and we're yeah. able to unpack the narrative with math because yeah, that easier was, I to think, do. really valuable. Well, really, it's also really easy, valuable to look at these stories and be like. It's easier for you to do right now, Molly, because you're on the other side of the table and you see the insides of these businesses. You know how this stuff works now in month four. You've, you know, basically in four months, you've got 60% of the knowledge of investing, you know, and then it's basically going to be. I'm just every, working on the math now. Well, I mean, I think there's a quick rant, like any other skill, like yeah. if you want to learn podcasting, you could probably learn 60 70% in your first year. And then to get the last 30%, you know, it's like you're gonna learn whatever 10% the next year, whatever 20% the next year, and then 5% the year after that. And then it's mm -hmm. just harder to get those last, you know, how to hit a half court shot. <laughs> you it's know, like how to the be Bugatti. Elite. It's like the Bugatti, it takes like, a mm. uh, 100 horsepower or something to get to 200 to 100 or 150 yeah. and then it takes all the rest of the horsepower to get from 100 to 200 yes or some crazy thing like that yeah yeah it's i like mean that. it's uh, more effort to get the last little things all right everybody there's been an amazing episode here's some things okay. you can do to support the show go to youtube.com slash this weekend hit subscribe ring the bell and then we give you you get to join us every day here uh number two you can write a review of the show uh rate it on spotify or itunes Number three, you can thank the sponsors. You can CC at Mollywood, at Jason. Uh, when you do that, or you, uh, you know, uh, can just go visit their URLs and, and use their products and support them for supporting us. And if you really want to go next level, producers at this week and startups.com, we live in the future segment where we talk about things that are crazy and new in the world or startup of the day. Just tip us off. And then if you hear somebody on another podcast, like, you know, uh, there's a lot of boutique podcasts out there. And you hear somebody who's a great guest, always on the lookout for somebody yeah. who is really intelligent, really well spoken. A lot of the uh, great folks you know in the industry today started here on this program Travis, Saka, Chamath, Keith Raboy, uh, Glenn from Redfin. A lot of them started here uh, on This Week in Startups 10 years ago, seven years ago. We had them on a couple of times, and then they became just great podcasters themselves like Chamath or regulars on other people's podcasts like Raboy. And they they were less known at that time or totally unknown uh, in some cases. 
And so we like to discover those people and then have them on on a regular basis. We like to build those characters, if you will, and those personalities. So if you find somebody like that, please do send them our way. Anything please else you can do to support the show, Molly? Uh, I mean, keep coming effort. out. Keep coming yeah. out. Leave yes. us those reviews on, on iTunes. Like, help juice those ratings. That helps. But really, and just keep talking to us. It's the best. Like, we sit, yes. we, ha- we watch Perfect. the chat every day, right. and it basically is like hanging out with our friends. And that's the best part of this job. It is the best part of the show is the Nodi gang, 10 a.m. most Ish. days, <laughs> Pacific time. Uh, well, sometimes we can get interrupted yeah. by breaking yeah. news or whatever, but yeah, that's why you hit the bell, you ring the bell. Exactly, because then, then we have to go happens. live because Elon again, like we yeah. did yesterday. And tomorrow we'll play everybody's favorite game show. What should Elon buy next? <laughs> I just came up with that idea. Oh my God. What should There's Elon so and Jeff targets. Bezos buy next <laughs> on tomorrow's show? We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, producers. Great job, producers. Hey everyone, producer Nick here. I want to tell you about the SaaS syndicate. If you're a founder of a SaaS company with a product and market, our investment team wants to talk to you. Head over to thesyndicate.com slash SaaS, S-A-A-S, to apply to raise from the SaaS syndicate. And you can join Jason's syndicate of over 9,000 accredited investors at thesyndicate.com. Producer Justin here. No cool startup? Check out OpenScouting.com, where anyone can refer a startup to our investment team here at launch. Even if you don't know the founder, if you're the first to flag a company for us and we decide to invest, you'll get 5K in cash or 10% of our carry. Hey, everybody. Producer Rachel here. Are you an early stage startup that has product and market, some traction, and are looking to raise at least $500,000? Apply today to Remote Demo Day for your chance to pitch to over 9,000 investors in Jason's syndicate. Submit your application at Remote Demo Day. Day.com. Our next event is on April 27th. And if you want to learn how to invest in startups from the world's greatest angel investor, and no, we're not talking about Chris Saka, then head to angel.university to apply. The four-hour workshop costs $300 and all proceeds are donated to charity. To date, we've donated over $175,000 to various charities, and you can see the full list at angel.university slash charity.